0: then going through uh, the book of Revelation brings us now to chapter 17. So I ask you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitute and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman... Drunk with the blood of saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marvelled greatly. Behold, the angel said to me, "Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was, and it is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life, and the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast, because it was, and is not, and is to come." This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, and the other has yet has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are... But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour. Together with the beast, they are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, the lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those with him are called chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And ten horns that you saw, they are the beasts. They and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate, naked, and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Just to read in God's word, you may be seated. You may read that chapter and be like, what in the world is going on here? There's a lot of imagery that the Apostle John is using. <coughs> It seems, it seems today, maybe maybe it's always been this way, but it seems people are, are very anxious about just about everything. You know, we, we turn on the news, I know here in Illinois a lot of people are anxious because they're raising the, the income taxes. You, you look on the news and people are worried about their health care insurance and, and what possible changes there may be to that. Every day it seems like there's a new, new set of terrorists doing horrible things on the news. You know, we, we see kind of the... The Red Scare has been brought back to life in in Washington, and everybody's colluding with the Russians, and witch hunts are ready to happen. All all this is going on, and we we seem to be be worried about everything, you know. I know everybody is is passionate, we we all should be passionate about something, but it seems that today everyone has a cause, everyone has a need to to march, or, or protest, or at the very least to gossip about. But I want you to think today, what stresses you out? What makes you lose sleep at night? What is it? Why do you have it? Can you change it? And why are you stressing about it? There's only one who can change it. Give it to him. Stop losing sleep. Get a restful night so you can do the Lord's work in the morning. You know This is an age-old dilemma. The world has always had anxiety. We've always stressed about things we can't control. Jesus tells us over and over again, do not fear. This is not from the Lord. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's struggles are enough for that day. We can't control what's going to happen tomorrow any more than we control what happened yesterday. But we, we are to to look to God for safety, for security, and when we are scared, we are to turn to Him because He is the one who is able to control. It. And when, in the in the study of Revelation, we're going to come across four different women. You know, we often talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but in Revelation there, there are four women that are talked about. These are not actual literal women, but they, they are symbols. The first one we come across was in the letters to the is Jezebel, which is an Old Testament reference, and it was talking about them, them giving in to the, uh, the, the sins that, that Jezebel led the country in, into the idolatry. And then later we're introduced to the woman in Revelation that's named Israel. And she, she gives birth to a son, the Messiah, Jesus. And she is a good and godly woman in comparison with Jezebel. Jezebel is truly a harlot who has led her people astray. While Israel is, is the, the perfect bride of the Father. And he's given birth to the Son. And the devil doesn't like it, does he? And so he tries to devour Israel. You want to know why the world has always has their attention on Israel? And, and for thousands of years, the, the devil has been trying to, to exterminate the Jews. So, especially in World War II, the reality is that they are the apple of God's eye. God is there for them and will protect them. Amen. The devil is raging because he knows the Lord is about to return. Amen. You and I as a church, God will call us home. But there's a specific reason Jesus returns. He returns to fulfill the word of God. What does the word say? He told Abraham that one of your descendants will inherit the promise line. He told David... One of your descendants will sit on my throne forever. Mm-hmm. Those promises are yet to be fulfilled. David's throne is not in heaven. Don't let anyone tell you that. David's throne is in Jerusalem. And a day is coming where Jesus will return and reign from there. And to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all his descendants, they will receive the, the, the land of promise that has been promised to them. No one, not not politicians, not Satan, no one in the world will be able to, to stop what belongs to them, for God's word has promised it to them. As we go on, look, now we come across this third woman who, who is called a, a harlot, Babylon, the mother of all prostitutes. That's quite a quite a name to, to be given. Now, this name isn't just anyone giving them this name. I have joked with you before about my favorite apostle is John, and he is nicknamed one of the sons of thunder. how would you like to have God nickname you a son of thunder? But here, this this woman, and we're told at the very end, she represents a city, she is she represents the false worldwide religious system that will take place in the day. But, but she is one who, who is leading everyone astray. She says she is drunk on the blood of the saints, those that have been martyred for Jesus Christ. And she is called Babylon the Great. Understand Babylon, this name goes way back even before the country known as Babylon, where there was a tower that we silly humans were building because we thought we were so great and mighty that we could build a tower up to God. And that tower was later called Babel. That's where we get the name Babylon from. It means confusion. This religious system will be brought about to confuse people, to confuse them and lead them away from, from the true God and his Christ. This is what the angel says to John. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns we've already encountered this beast in our study Revelation 13 this is the beast that is, that is known as the Antichrist it is red in appearance because it draws its power from that old dragon the red dragon we read about Satan and so understand that, that, that these three are united together that, that they desire to mislead God's people to lead them astray Satan's ultimate desire would be for there either to be no, no more believers in God or for there to be no more of God's people because he is afraid of the return of Christ. He is afraid of, of the day of the Lamb. Judgment day, as we call it, has many names. And understand that the purpose of this, this harlot that we read about. She, she is to deceive. She is said to be riding a beast with seven heads. This points back to Daniel. These seven heads are, are uh, not what we would call literal heads, but they are uh, heads of state, if you will. They are kingdoms. These are seven rulers. And she, she is writing with their kingdom t- together to, to deceive the many. You know, but before we go on and discuss her, we need to really ask a question of ourselves before we dive in and can identify her and prepare ourselves not, not to fall after that. Let me ask you a simple question Why have you been created? Why are you alive today? What is the singular purpose that all humanity has? Worship, praise God to worship you have been created to worship God and the, the great tragedy and the great sin in all our lives since the days of Adam we have fallen fallen away and what have we done our, that image of God that we've been created in has been warped and been twisted and instead of giving God worship we desire to give ourselves worship and what is what is the one thing that caused Satan's downfall it was the pride, because he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to ascend God's throne. But I think you and I, sometimes we do that in our own way. We try to make it out where we're, we're the most important thing. We're, we're really the things that, that need to be worshipped. And when we see this, even in, in church life, we, we come to churches, sometimes we'll argue about the songs that are being played. What does that say about you? You're, what it says about you is that you've come to sing a song that you know Because it's really about you. It's not about you. It's about God. If you like or dislike a song, I don't really care. Does it declare God's glory? Does it bring a response out of people? That is what you should ask. Does this honor God? If it does, then sing it and sing it with joy. Even if it's three keys too high for you. I am the worst singer in this room. There's not a song I could sing, so don't, don't tell me it's too hard for you to sing. By the time your voice reaches heaven... It will be beautiful and glorious. Enter God's gates with singing. That is what the psalmist says. So we we have to look at ourselves. Oftentimes we will turn to our our Bible, God's holy word, and we'll do something that's called eisegesis. Anybody ever heard that word? I'm glad. We are supposed to do exegesis. Exegesis is where you open up the word, and any uh, preacher worth his salt will tell you what, what God was saying to the people of that day first. And then he will take it and and take what is this message that that was done in that day say to our lives now. What eisegesis says is, let's just open up the Bible and say, oh, look at what it says here. Jeremiah 29.11. What is Jeremiah 29.11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is probably the most eisegesis passage in the history of the world. We, we, we put it on mugs and give it to graduates and... And tell them to be blessed. And we have good intentions when we're doing that. But what does this passage actually say? See, we're taking out of context just reading verse 11. If you read verses 1 through 10, you'd realize that this was the prophet Jeremiah. The one who's known as the weeping prophet. And he is weeping because his people have just been carried away into slavery, into Babylon. And this is at the point where God has said, because you have disobeyed me. You have been disobedient. You have sinned against your God. I'm allowing you to be captured and taken away for 70 years. But I have a hope and a future for you. Your children will come back. And your children will be brought back into this land. So if we were to really understand what the pastor is saying, what we're saying to our our graduating students is, you're going to live a really hard life for 70 years. But God has a hope and a future for your grandchildren. They'll be brought back into prosperity. They'll be given everything that you used to have. That is what I uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven actually says, but that's not the way it's preached in most churches. Now, when we say how how much God loves you and how these great plans—yes, God has great plans for you—but it's not about you; it's about God. Everything that God gives you to do will bring bring Him glory. Amen. If what you're doing brings you glory and not God, you better look in the mirror because you're worshiping yourself. Amen. And that's not the only place we see it. We we look at places on. Uh, Tomorrow evening when all those kids come and and we share them some of the stories about God. The first story will be, you see the ark over here, uh, about the walls of Jericho. And Joshua and the priest carrying it around the city for seven days. On the seventh day, the seventh time, they blow the trumpets and everybody shouts. And the walls come tumbling down. That passage is not about you tumbling down the walls in your life. It's about Joshua having faith in God that God would defeat his enemies. Unless you're applying that to say, I have faith that those that would be my enemies will be defeated by God, then you can apply that to your life. But to say, you know, that the raise or the promotion you can't get is because there's these walls all around you and you need, you need faith like Joshua to have them come trembling down. That is not what Scripture says. That's what we call eisegesis. You see it over and over again with King David. When King David went to slay the giant, he wasn't doing it because you're going to have spiritual giants in your life that you need to slay with a rock. No, he slayed because Goliath dared to defy the God of David. He dared to defy the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he got his just desert for daring to blaspheme God's name. That's why David went out in battle. You notice what David says. For Goliath, you have dared to defy the Lord and his armies. It's not because David was was some brave warrior, braver than the rest of the armies. But he would not allow his God to be blasphemed. And God used him. And Goliath didn't die from a rock. He's decapitated. Read the story. Know your Bible. By his own sword. By his own sword. You know, over and over again we, we see it. When Daniel goes into the lion's den, what does that tell us? Does that tell us if you're being attacked on... All signs that that God's going to deliver you? I know many missionaries and many (coughs) martyrs throughout the history of the world who were not spared. Does that mean they have less faith than Daniel? No. All these stories, what does it say? That that God is sound. God is in control. God is in charge. We are to trust God, not ourselves. It wasn't by Daniel's might that the lions didn't eat him. It was by the angels that God sent to shut their their jaws. Those lions still wanted to eat. They were hungry. And they got to eat in the morning, didn't they? So as we look and understand who we are, we are created to worship God. We are created to have fellowship and community with Him and with our brothers and sisters, all, all those who, who call out to God. We are family with them. That is why Adam and Eve were created to have fellowship with each other and with God and to bring God glory and to worship Him. Now, this harlot has no desire to bring God glory. She, she is a religious system that, that um, will arise at the very end and we were starting to see signs of that already where people are falling away doing these, these isogenical things where they're making it about themselves and ultimately you can identify the, the harlot because she is, she is telling you to worship yourselves she's telling you your kids are the most important thing in the world your kids aren't the most important thing God is, God is more important than your child your spouse is more important than your child understand the order that God has created but over and over again, what do we do? We, we tell them that, that they are the most important thing and they grow up and have a hard time adjusting to the world because the, the world says you're not the most important thing. Or you know the, the world tells us we should idolize these celebrities. The celebrities can't save you. God and God alone can. And ultimately what this harlot does is she, she'll tell you that, that you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what God's word says. it doesn't matter what God says. We live in a day and age where, I'm not going to get into all the details, but almost everything is allowable now in our society today. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let, Let's get down into the nitty-gritty and the, the philosophy of what's going on here. You know, what we're saying to God is, you know, I, I know you've created me a man, but today I could be a woman if I feel like it. What are you telling God when you do that? Made a You're telling God, the creator of heaven and earth, that he made a mistake. Think about that for a moment. That is a very serious charge to lay at the feet of God. What are we saying? Oh God, you got it wrong, we got it right, we'll, we'll take care of this. When we get even worse, we'll have people that tell us, you know what, there is no God. You're a random chance, you're an accident that's happened over billions and billions of years. You just got lucky, you're higher up on the food chain. But at the end of the day, you have no purpose greater than that of a dung beetle. You're here, then you'll be gone. That's not what God's word says. It says you will live eternally. Whether you realize it or not, you are going to live forever. Not in the physical body, but in the spiritual sense. There will be a resurrection of everyone. And to those who have followed after God who have placed their faith in Christ, they will go to heaven for all eternity and be with Christ where he is. They will return with Christ. But to those who have rejected Christ and rejected the ways of God, they will live forever too. It is the, the great dichotomy and the thing we don't want to talk about in the church world today, but there is hell, there is sin, and if you follow after your own way and worship yourself, you will be in hell forever. It's not a short time, then you're just snuffed out. That's wishful thinking. God created you to be eternal because you're created to worship him. His worship shall never cease. It's why we, we do our mission march. It's why we have missions. It's why we reach out to the kids this coming week. It's because when they come to believe that they can truly worship, then God is given more glory. Amen. I encourage you all to come and join us in the VBS. One out of four people in this country that will come to faith will be through VBS. Mm. That's what the latest statistics tell us. It's very hard to come to faith as an adult because you start to worship yourself and you think of yourself greater than God. But as, as we continue to, to look her main purpose is to deceive. Her main purpose is to get you to draw worship away from God and ultimately to to look towards the Antichrist, to see him as the Messiah. First, he will replicate, as i said in the past, he will replicate the resurrection. He will replicate the, the death and burial of Christ. So to deceive people that, that are looking for the Messiah to come. But even more here we see that he will try to replicate before it happens the second coming of Christ. We'll, we'll see him do this. And this is all to deceive. But as, as we, we look at, at everything that, that we have been given in this life, this this woman harlot, she is described as being dressed with fine linen and purple robes and gold and and she must look absolutely beautiful. As the world promises, you will have these. These treasures and these pleasures. And you'll be able to do whatever you want. And it sounds good. It's like a great infomercial. Like if you just, just get this exercise machine. You're going to look like Fabio. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. What happens? No. You get the machine. And you start the exercise. And then you realize you just paid a lot of money. And you're not getting the results you want. Over and over again. We see these type of deceptions. Satan hasn't changed. Satan wants you to worship him. Is what he tried to tempt Jesus with. He said, Jesus here is all the kingdoms of the earth, and they are under Satan's authority and within his ability to offer them to Jesus. And he says, if you will just bow the knee to me and worship me, it will all be yours. What a great sales pitch. The entire world will be yours. But Jesus refused to bend the knee because we are to bend the knee to God and God alone are not the better than any of Satan, to this world, to ourselves, to our families, but to God and God alone. Amen? Amen? And so we are to resist the devil as Christ did. But I want you to see something that's going on here in this chapter that's very important. Does God destroy the harlot? Yes or no? The answer is no. Who destroys the harlot? The devil. The devil. Why? Because he can't even share worship with those that are on his side. The harlot is the religious system, and as the religious system is gaining traction and attracting the whole world, he'll say, no, I will be worshipped and I alone. And so who destroys her, who burns her fire with fire and who strips her naked? It is the Antichrist and Satan. Because the Antichrist says, no, I will be worshipped, me alone. And ultimately it is Satan behind it, pulling the strings who says. I am the one who is to be worshipped. It's what he's desired most from the very beginning of time. He has desired to be worshipped. That's why he hates you. Because you are to worship God. Because he has always desired to be God. But in doing this, we read that all the words of God will be fulfilled. And so all those promises we read about in Scripture, we can say, amen, amen. We long for and look forward to. I know many of us. We love John 14, where we read that we'll have mansions in heaven that Christ is coming to to take us to be with Him forever. It'll be great and glorious. It will truly be paradise. But it also means the consequences in sin and hell are very real. It means that Christ will return any day, whether you're ready or not. All of God's words will come to be. It means that the secret sins will be exposed. We don't like that idea too much, do we? But that's the word of God. That's what it says. It also says there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. There'll be a new Jerusalem. A day will come where there'll no longer be a division of Jew and Gentile, but we'll be glorious together worshiping God as, as Christ brings us all together. We'll be one people, one tribe, one tongue, worshiping God forever. So we need... Ultimately, we need to understand who God is so we could avoid this harlot, so we can avoid falling after a temptation to worship ourselves. And so how does one know God? It begins with a desire to know God, a desire to please Him. You know, in just a moment, we'll play a final song. I, I ask if you do not know Christ and you want to know Him, to come down and I will pray with you. There's not magic in the, in the altar that we have here. There's no magic in the words, but it's the repentance of your heart. If you truly desire to, to be of God, to know Him, He will make Himself known to you. If you truly want to, to belong to Him, you will. God's desire is for everyone to be saved. Yes, even our enemies. Even those members of ISIS and those people who are hurting Christians or terrorizing people. Wherever you may fall, in the religious spectrum, the political spectrum, God desires everyone to be saved. You know, in our in our, in our world, it's we busy ourselves so much that some of us don't even have time to pray. You want to know God, know his people, pray for his people. Take your church directory out this week and pray for everyone in it. Pray for all those that, that aren't in it. Open your word, read, read God's word, and see what it says and understand it for your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you as you read it. You know, there's a, there's kind of a popular saying in in our country right now when uh, it derives as a football, originally it was a football term for running back to the Seattle Seahawks. um, And they they called it beast mode. It's it's a very strong guy and you talk about getting into beast mode whenever whenever you can start to get tackled and he's a very hard guy to bring down. And so, it kind of spread out, especially with man. It's kind of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put siding up today. So I'm going to get in beast mode, get strong and manly, do manly things. In the Bible, you do not want to be in beast mode. The beast is of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. You want to be in lamb mode. Yeah, Christ is the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. the one who is worthy to take the scroll and break the seven seals, the one who has come to, to die for your sins. He was a servant of all servants. I would tell you, when, when you get ready to go out this week, think about what it means to be a lamb. When others attack you, do not, do not lash back out at them as a beast would. But be like the lamb. Be willing to lay down your life for others. When you go to restaurants this afternoon, ask your waiter or waitress if they need something, if they need prayer, what they're going through. People, God puts people in your life every single day that you can reach out to that you could show them the Lamb of God through how you act. I would remind us from what Second Peter says. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now, this is the important part. Listen. Because of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. What is Peter telling you? You want Jesus to return? Live holy and godly lives. You will hasten the day of his return. Why? Because it will draw out draw the enemy. It will reveal the enemy who he is. But too often when we look at the world, when we look at Christian lives individually, when we look at the church, and we look at the world, each and every day it seems like there's a smaller and smaller difference. When you come into church, people should notice that this place is utterly different than from the, what the world offers. They should notice you as a Christian, you are completely different from what the world offers. I would ask you, are you? If you are, stop worrying about what keeps you up at night. Give it to God. He is sovereign. We are not. Worship Him. Always be in the landlord. Let us pray. Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks that you're willing to be our landlord. You're willing to be the sacrifice that took our sins. May any that are here, Lord, that do not know you, who have not placed their faith in you, Lord, who has not received forgiveness of their sins, may they do it this day. For those of us that have, Lord, we give you great thanks and praise and worship to you. I pray as we go on, Lord, we would be lambs. You said we are lambs led to the slaughter. For we don't count our own lives worthy, Lord, but your life. We desire to bring others to know you. May you be with us always, Lord, and pray a special blessing on the VVS that we'll have this week, Lord, that you bring many from this community, kids from all over, that they may know you, Jesus. It's in your holy name. Amen.